Welcome to the Temple Forum, a podcast from First United Methodist Church in the heart of Chicago. Here we welcome a diversity of voices and conversation about how we live in the world as people of faith. Hello, I'm Jan Engmeyer. We're living in a time of a very divided society. Disagreements seem to be everywhere, and we don't seem to be doing a very good job of listening to each other. What do we do when nobody is listening? Leading the Church in a Polarized Society is the title of a new book written by Dr. Robin Lovin. Dr. Lovin is an ordained minister in the United Methodist Church and has been a leading global scholar in Christian ethics with academic appointments at Princeton, Southern Methodist University, where he served as dean of the Perkins School of Theology, and he was also on the faculty at the University of Chicago. Welcome to the Temple Forum, Dr. Lovin. Thank you. What inspired you to write this book and why this title? Well, as you suggest, the the inspiration is all around us with the divisions that are present in the in the society and have been for some years now. I think part of what inspired me to write the book was being able to look back and see our present polarization building in the way it has over over decades. Uh, So that inspired me to write the book and the title really comes from reflecting on the way that this is a very different context for the church to live and work in. we're rather used in American society to have people pay attention to religious voices. Uh, but increasingly, people only want to hear people who are saying what they've already heard before and what, what the hearers already agree with. So the church has to figure out how to be the church in a t- time when people are not listening. Uh, And uh, so the obvious title then is, what do we do when nobody's listening? I I should say that it was my editors at Erdman's who came up with the title. Editors Uh, are good for that, right? Yeah. (laughs) Academics always want to do something like living in a divided society or whatever. But the, uh, the, the, I, I think this is a title that I hope will catch the attention of leadership people in the, in the church who are struggling with this problem all the time. So how do you think we got to this place of polarization and how did the church get drawn into this mess? Well, I of course am old enough to have a perspective that goes back to the civil rights movement in the 1960s. And I think part of the genius of people like Martin Luther King, who led that movement in the beginning, was that he was able to move from uh, an interest in African-American civil rights to an inclusive movement that was concerned about poverty and then became concerned about the war in Vietnam. Uh, questions of 
democracy, which are so much a part of our uh, experience today, all of those things, things he was concerned about. And I think he, he wanted, as many of those early leaders, wanted to build an inclusive movement. But as more and more issues got drawn into that discussion, inevitably it fragmented. Uh, <clears throat> and I see us as having gone through three steps. So first there was that new awareness of these problems of inequality and injustice that needed to be addressed. And then there was a kind of fragmentation around all of the different issues that were claiming our attention. And finally, a lot of us decided that it would just be easier to deal with that if we could divide it up into us and them. There's everybody who's on our side and there's everybody who's got some other issue that they're, they're concerned about. And I think that's how we drifted into the, the polarization that we're in. Now, you ask about the church in that context, because the, again, the King's movement grew out of the black church. And, uh, uh, and I think we, we had a strong independent voice at, at the beginning. But one of the things about the polarization in our society is that everybody has tried to adapt to it in one way or another. And the churches have done the same. That's an interesting so, point, yeah. Some of the churches um, have, picked, have, have picked up one or another side of the polarization and have become now very politically active around conservative causes, around anti-abortion causes. But I think most of our congregations, and especially most of our pastors, just kind of hope those problems will stay outside, uh, you know, be a problem in the streets and on the evening news. And precisely because many of our congregations are homogeneous, they, they share a, uh, a racial uh, and economic background. Uh, it, it's easy for the church to adapt to the polarization by simply not paying attention. Being one of those people, being a group of people who are not listening. Well, in the book, you remind us that the church has faced some of these questions before, and you use Germany in the 1930s as an example and the leadership of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. For those who are not familiar or for those who need a refresher, um, please tell us about the role that Bonhoeffer played and the idea of the church that you talk about in the write about in the book about the church taking up space in the world. That's another interesting concept in this book. Yeah. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a name uh, that a lot of Christians have at least heard, uh, because he, he was a very dramatic figure in Germany in the 1930s and 1940s, a young theologian who uh, took up resistance to the Nazi movement as it was growing. Uh, but again, unlike other people in church leadership at that time, 
his response to the rise of the Nazis was not to say that the church should become a community of formation that is closed in upon itself and shutting out those voices from the outside. His notion was that the church needs to be engaged in society, but without taking up one side or the other in the, the conflict. That's what he meant when, when he said the church takes up space. It, it has an identity that can't simply be reduced to other institutions and other values. Uh, uh, it's, if, if the church is doing its job, it'll always be raising hard questions for its members and for the wider society. And do we see that now? Uh, I, I think that's part of our problem, and it's a twofold problem. As I suggested a minute ago, we're a little reluctant to do that now because, it, it, you know, you put out the wrong thing on your website and you get 1,500 emails from people who uh, uh, object to what they think you're trying to say. So on the one hand, the, the, the church can be a, a little fearful. Now, you know, Bonhoeffer, if he were here, would probably remind us that we still do, we do not at this point have stormtroopers in the streets, so maybe we shouldn't be quite as as fearful as we are. But here's the other problem. And it goes back to the way I learned how to be the church and the way I taught generations of students how to be the church. You know, in the civil rights movement, the goal was speak up and let your voice be heard. And especially if you're part of the more privileged groups in society, to join those, those protests and raise the questions. But in a society where nobody is listening and there are lots of loud voices speaking about different positions, I think the church needs, needs a different strategy. And, and so it, that's partly why I wanted to call attention to, to Bonhoeffer's life and work it's precisely because he lived in a very different time that we can maybe test our instincts against his advice. We don't have to always do what he did, but it reminds us, as he would say, that the church has to figure out how to take up space. Well, another term in the book that I want to ask you about that kind of seems contrary to our current practices is elusiveness. Yes. Please explain that term and why you thought it was important to include yeah. in the book. So I, I listed that as a kind of characteristic, a virtue, if you will, that Christians ought to cultivate. And, and precisely in relation to what I've been saying about our recent past as relatively recent, four or five decades here, you know, 
we've been really urgent, especially in seminaries, theological schools, uh, in religion classes and campus ministries and so forth. We've been really urgent about telling people to speak up and let people know what your position is. Uh, but now everybody's doing that. And as I say, nobody's listening. So elusiveness is the ability to talk to people about current issues, about abortion, about uh, economic injustice, for example. The ability to talk to people about current issues and have a good conversation, but maybe have people come away thinking, gee, I'm not quite sure where she stood on this. Not because we want to be uh, wishy-washy, but because we don't want to be just another one of those voices that you can identify with red states or blue states and, and write them off. So, so elusiveness, which probably was not a really good thing in the early days of the civil rights movement, may be exactly what we need today. So where do we go from here? How can we be better listeners in this culture of chatter in our church and in our world? Yeah. Well, listening in one sense is uh, easy, right? It involves just uh, precisely stop talking and hear what hear what is going on around you. So, so it we we can we can become better listeners, I think, by precisely becoming aware that, that we're not doing that often enough and we're not doing it well enough. The real question, and this is where the elusiveness, for example, comes in. The real question is how can we help other people do that? Because right now, the perception of religion and the church is that we're contributing to the polarization. And what, what we want to do is, is exhibit ways of listening and acting that, uh, that encourage people to stop and think, you know, wait, what? What was the position she was defending here? Uh, and, and how do my ideas and the ideas of this person that I was just arguing with come together instead of divide us uh, from, from one another? And I think we have to develop ways in, in the church of communicating with the world around us that encourage people to stop and ask those kinds of questions. Any final thoughts from you to add about the book or what's happening in the world at this point? Well, it um, we since I wrote the book, we've come through a very divisive election season, which is now over. And I suspect, of course, that we will 
uh, face another divisive presidential campaign in a, in a couple of years. So um, my, my final thought is, is just to encourage people in the church to think about that Bonhoeffer concept of taking up space and asking how in a divided society can the church be a place that isn't just absorbed into one side or the other, but takes up a space that uh, it, it allows people to look at us and hear something different. That's a good note to end on. Thank you so much, Dr. Robin Lovin, for talking with us about your new book, What Do We Do When Nobody Is Listening? Well, thank you very much. I enjoyed the conversation. I'm Jan Engmeyer. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Temple Forum. You've been listening to the Temple Forum from First United Methodist Church in Chicago. You can find more conversations like this online at chicagotemple.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Please join us again soon.